This is iFanboy Pick of the Week number 670, brought to you by Harry's. To get your trial shave set, go to harrys.com slash iFanboy right now. That's harrys.com slash iFanboy. And iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 670. I'm Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. You are my co-host. I am. Next week, I'm your co-host. That's how this works. True. We are iFanboy, and every week we read our stack of comics. One of us picks their favorite book and call that the Pick of the Week. We'll talk about that book, other books from the week, patron pick. If there's some other stuff to talk about, we'll probably talk about that. There may be listener mail. I don't know. We we fill the time. I know that. Somehow. We go over every week, so... Yeah, and, and then we have fun doing it. Yeah. That's that's the other thing. And then uh, the hope is that some of that mirth, some of that joy is transferred to you slightly in one way or another. Uh, your spoiler warning, spoilers to some people are the opposite of mirth, uh, <laughs> that this is a review show. So therefore, the things that we are talking about need to have already been consumed by your brain. If they have not been, then many of the crucial details could uh, affect your reading experience, mm-hmm. and, and we don't want that. So we're telling you right now there's a list of the books that we're talking about. It says exactly when we're talking about them. Anything else is up to you. Buyer beware. Yeah. Connor, you had the pick. I did. And it was Avengers No Road Home number one, which is the second weekly Avengers book after that last one, whose name I don't remember and we couldn't find before the show, despite looking. This was a surprise to me. You enjoyed? Did you did you enjoy the the last yeah, one? Yeah, if you, you recall, I talked about it quite a bit, and, and I, yes. I I will admit that a good part of the enjoyment was the fact that Hawkeye was in his costume. Sure. This book is really fun. Mark Wade, Al Ewing, Jim Zub share the writing duties because it's a weekly book. And Paco Medina draws this particular issue. I'm gonna say this is a heavy dollop of Avengers West Coast glow from this one. Yeah, I sense that. We keep talking about that book that we reviewed in the books a while back. And if you think about the lineup of this book, it's Hercules, The Vision, Scarlet Witch, Hawkeye, and Monica Rambeau, who was Captain Marvel back in, the, in those days. So it's basically... And Photon. And, yeah, and Photon. And, and plus there's a couple other characters. But it's basically from that group, you know, the, the 80s, the late 80s of Avengers. And also, what's interesting is that, thanks to Grant Morrison, really... Mm-hmm. The makeup of the super team now yes. has to be yes. all the heavy hitters. And when we were we were kids and reading these books, like they were always a mishmash of people. It's interesting. They're, I think it's more interesting when it's a mishmash of different kind of people. And yeah, it's fun. It definitely you know it brings me back, but also it, it introduced me to other characters. Like yeah. you wouldn't get. Like, now you'll get one weird character that they stick in there. But it used to be you'd have, like, three different Jack of Hearts-type characters, and you'd just deal with it. Black Knight became one of my favorite characters. Yeah. He would never have done that otherwise. You're right. And I was actually thinking that as I was, as I was reading the book. So here you've got Hercules, Rocket Raccoon, Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, The Vision, Monica Rambeau is now called Spectrum, Blue Marvel, and then uh, the Hulk and Voyager, who was introduced in the last miniseries, who is the daughter of the Collector. I was thinking as I was reading it, first of all, this was really fun. The art's really, really strong, and it's a, it's a group, fun group of characters. Her- Hercules has a man bun, which seems appropriate in the modern age. Sure. I feel like this 
kind of story is looser than what you get in the regular Avengers book. And I really like the regular Avengers book. We talk about it yep. a lot. It's been pick of the week. But when you have all of the major characters, you get a different kind of story. It's a more, it's a grander story, usually. And so here, mm-hmm. you have, it's, much more, it's much looser. He, Hercules is causing trouble, and rock, he runs into Rocky Raccoon, and a, everyone thinks he's trying to rob a store, and Hercules shows up to stop the robbery, and, and they both end up blowing up the whole building, and Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch have a really fun lunch at a diner where they talk about their love lives. It's just, it's just a different feel, and it felt very classic Avengers. And plus, there's a great scene with Vision and Monica Rambeau where Vision is dying, this body's no longer processing sunlight properly, and she's upset. But he's like, "No, this makes me more human. I'm I'm not going to live forever." And that was a great scene. And the Hulk shows up, and maybe he'll die, and then this design will go away forever. <laughs> maybe, it's maybe so, that could be a thing. It's really terrible. Did you read this? Because I know you. After I, I did. picked it, you were like, "Huh." Yeah, I read it because I wanted to. Uh, you know, I figure if it's Avengers book that you liked, then I would probably find something that I liked in it. And it's interesting that you said classic Avengers because it's. I mean, it's not like sixties Avengers, like eighties. No, no, Avengers, no. I'm like saying 70s. it's it has a more classic feel in that. Yeah, from that it's era. like uh, like Bronze Age. Yeah, Bronze Avengers, Age. That's kinda, exactly it. Yeah, which which I think is what we came up in. I instantly connected to that in the same way. Boy, Hercules has a nice silver cod piece, doesn't he? <laughs> um, and it hangs down low like a stripper's underwear. Yeah. So that's nice. But he's also got pouches. He's of many eras here. He's wearing like a Shatterstar helmet. Yeah, it's weird. I was trying to figure out at what point you decided you really liked this. That's what I was sort of reading mm-hmm. it for. And I got to Scarlet Witch and, and Clint in the diner having a conversation. I was like, this was probably the moment where he was like, oh, I like this a lot. <laughs> And I didn't really know what it was. Like, I didn't realize that it was the weekly book until I got to the end. So I just sort of read it sight unseen. In fact, in the in the in when I was sort of picking out comics I was going to read this week, I saw the names and I was like, I don't want to read that. Right. But I didn't I didn't feel like there was any kind of weakness. No. From the writing team. I don't know. I thought I would read through it and it would be like, you can tell whose part was part was which. Yeah. Wasn't the case. And then at the end, I thought, you know what? Mark Wade being involved with this is good because Mark Wade, but also he did 52. Yep. He knows how to make this work, and I thought, well, that that's kind of an interesting... Do you know how long this goes? I don't know how long it goes. I think the last one was like... Obviously, we can't even find evidence of the last one existing, so I don't even know if I hallucinated the entire thing, but I think it was like 12 issues. I don't remember. Okay. But I remember really enjoying it because Mark Wade. I don't know what... I don't even... What else is he even doing right now? You know, he's one of our uh, all-time favorite guys, in the, in the, yep. certainly in the run of iFanboy. He's yeah. one of the all-time greats, and... You know, he used to do along with Kurt Busiek, like sort of the throwback books. That was what he did for a long time, and this yeah. and that I think adds to that sense here, and that this feels like an old Avengers book in a different kind of way than a regular Avengers book, which is totally fine. Yeah, one of the other things I really liked about it was there was the follow up to Clint Barton and the Hulk. Yeah. Yes. Which I that was a big moment because basically, if those of you following along, Banner had asked Clint. This I guess this was before the Hydra thing. Yeah, this was the start this was of it. Before that, that was uh, this was a while ago. So uh, basically, Banner said, you know, before I turn to the Hulk at this point, had to, no, it was the it was just before the Hydra thing because it was the Miles Morales, you know, will kill Captain America thing. Yeah, right. Civil War two. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. You'll kill me when I turn to the Hulk because the Hulk can't continue to exist, and he said, okay. And then we've we folded in this new this new version of the Hulk because Al Yoon is involved with this. It's, you know, very consistent with the Hulk that we've got in that other book. And basically the Hulk is just like, you made a deal with Banner, but you didn't make a deal with me and I'm pissed off and we're not cool and don't find yourself alone with me. And I was like, okay, these are stakes. These are, and those are like, like, again, those are classic 
It's great. Know. It's great tension. Yep. So yes, here's what you know. At some point, they're going to be alone because you don't yes. set that up unless that's going to happen later on. And so now it's there's a lot of tension. What and when's that going to happen? And obviously, the Hulk's not going to kill Clint unless, in doing so, he decides this T-shirt and jeans look is a bad idea. I, I listen. It's not. It's. I. I don't know that how mad I would be about if that was the reason. <laughs> if he was resurrected in a costume, there's no, a, there's a scene where the last page in the, in the second to last page where they're where they're all standing around as Hercules embraces his sister as they find all the gods have been murdered. They're all standing there and they're all in costume except for Clint. And it's like at this point, Fraction's run was many, many, many years ago. Let's try something different now. Well. I, I do have the thought on that that, A, you know, like they made the point that like the Hulk said was like we don't need Arrow Man, mm-hmm. which is true. Like in that way, like he showed up. He's not really supposed to be there. So maybe he wasn't planning to dress for it. There's that. Two, I do think that it would be difficult to go back to the straight up version of the old costume because it would be out of place. He wore it in the last series. Yeah. Was that – did that take place currently? Yeah. I think that – I, I would actually be okay with, like, an update to his costume. Even uh, in the films, even though he's, he's yeah. the least costume, he's still wearing a costume. Yeah, I think that something along the lines of what they do with Captain America's costume would be appropriate for that. You know, Maybe not so with the big wings on his face or whatever. I can mm-hmm. see why that doesn't make sense, but... Yeah, I, but the t-shirt and jeans look is kind of... I really liked it when they did it with Superboy, and that's about it. Yeah, so here, as I said, someone has murdered the gods, Hercules' family, the, I guess, the Olympic gods? Olympian, Olympic? Is that who yeah, they are? Yep, 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 the Greek and gods. The Greek uh, gods. Uh, Olympus. They, they find them all dead, and it's and then there's some woman who appears at the end with her, he, with her hands inside Scarlet Witch's head. What's her Which name? Which, knowing... Uh, 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 Nick's... Nix, the NYX. This is Stock Exchange. She's yeah. the lady who does that. The shade there is that, you know, Scarlet Witch was married to Vision. Vision is standing back there. Yeah. That's what Vision does to people. Right. Vision has his mouth open. You know what's funny is that I think that the choice of Paco Medina on this uh, really helped with the tone that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a foot in the modern world and, and the foot in the sort of, you know, history of, of Marvel Comics. You know, like it, it's just evocative of both things. It bridges yeah. the gap nicely. It's melodramatic. Like, like, as you said, this last page, Vision's got his mouth open, yeah. Rocket's got his mouth open, Clint's got his mouth open. Like, they're all just like, oh! It's, it's great. And you don't see pages like that anymore. No. These Stan Soapbox thing needs to not be in the middle of pages anymore. The Stan Soapbox I'm, page is a great page that needs to yes. be in the same spot in every book. Sometimes it's the second page, sometimes yes. it's the middle. It always seems to I'd happen like, like at a page turn I don't want it to happen at. Yeah, that's what exactly the thing. Because it always makes me think it's over. It's the cliffhanger. Like, why would you put it here yeah. in between the reveal? And the, it just was strange placement. Yep. Sorry. That was... No, no, it's, um, I've noticed that too. I keep going, oh, whenever I turn to it. Because it seems like it's something happening in the story. And it's not. It's fun. If you like that old school Avengers vibe, it's fun. If you're, I think if you're a fan of the current Hulk run, Al Ewing is writing it. Thor, Hulk's a character. I mean, I had a really good time reading. It didn't feel oppressive like the Uncanny X-Men a weekly event did, and I don't know why. I haven't really delved into why one was fun and one wasn't fun. I remember the other one moved quickly, and it was it was a big romp, so I'm hoping the same thing here from the same creative team. Like, you know, like Avengers Forever or something like that. Yeah. That's sort of what it, what it has that feeling. I think, and also, we, we were talking about his costume, but uh, I was like, oh, this is Hawkeye. Yeah. Like, it was it was this, the same guy from, from the Hawkeye who we've known, but like a little older, a little wiser. So So that checked out, too. 
it wasn't trying to be super impressive with its snappy patter. Yeah, for sure. So that was Avengers No Road Hole number one. I enjoyed that the most this week. I had the most fun. I had I wanted to know that what was happening next of the most of all the issues I read. That's so I had to pick of the week. And I think if you have been listening closely to the show, Josh, for the last couple of years, people will notice that one of the themes running through it is that we don't remember things or know things. Uh-huh. And so today this <laughs> week this week we were discussing uh, our comics, what we we're gonna talk about, and we were like was that the last issue of Strangers in Paradise 25? And what, what people out there really need to know is that we both put in a lot of effort to trying to make sure that it was. <laughs> I was this close to writing Terry to Morgan the creator, Mo- just like, can you just clear this up for me? But I didn't want to, I didn't want the information to be out there already because that feels like, you know, that like like bugging him. But I think we're fairly certain that this is the end of Strangers in Paradise for now. Well, yes, because the solicitation said so. Because we don't we don't right. read those things anymore. After, once we stopped doing our daily website, we stopped reading most new, all news and solicitations and things. So it's almost like reading comics before the internet for the most part, <laughs> which is fun, which is great. But it leads to things like, was that the last issue? Uh, yeah. Because it, there was really nothing saying it was the last issue in the book itself, but the solicitations did. So I guess what he's doing, so and this is the issue where all of his books come together. So Motor Girl, the Motor Girl characters are in it, and then they, they reference Echo, and they reference, um, I think Rachel Rising is, is mentioned at some point. But all of the books have come together in this issue. And I think what he's doing, because, and the reason why we were confused, it doesn't end the story they were telling here. So Kachu is off, and she finds out that the world is going to end in five years because she meets Lilith and Cassandra, you know the the, the Rachel, Rachel, Rachel and Lilith, and they tell her you know, that the world's going to end, and and so she goes home to be with her family here, and so it's a it's a weird thing to reveal and then just not deal with, and that's why I was confused if it was the ending or not. So I think he's going to keep telling this story. If I had to guess, I would guess he's going to keep uh-huh. telling this story in different miniseries with the different characters. That's what my right, guess but is. I think that. What this is to me is that at the end of it, uh, Kachu is saying, no, I'm done with this. So it's the end of her story in yes. that because she basically and, – and you know what? And while there is a big meatball hanging out there, it is a big moment in a close for that character because this is a character who has been all of these different things and has so many capabilities and she found her home. And if she's got this much time left, she wants to spend it with her family. All right. So she's not going to go on the adventure to save the world. Right. That's, she's going to leave that to Tambi. And, and that's her decision in the end of her arc. Right. This story here sets up, I think, the Terry Moore-verse. Mm-hmm. And then closes the book on Kachu. Maybe because he said in an interview I read as I was trying to figure out if this was the last issue or not, that he can't stop writing her. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. I, I want to also, I mean, all that aside, like, I really enjoyed this issue. It was a great I, issue. It was a really good issue. There was a, a really scary scene where there's a, a hired thug, you know, on her way to basically kidnap Kachu and Francine's kids. Is that Francine's mom? You know, it's just a tough as nails. Like she. No, that's the old woman from Motor Girl. Oh, okay. Oh, right. She was awesome. Yeah. Like just standing up to this guy and and being really brave and and being self-sacrificing and having an attitude. Um, but also she was just buying time while this, I, I didn't, the other girl, from I didn't know. That, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that was a girl. I had, I went back and I was like, Oh, they didn't specify. Cause I thought it, cause he looks kind of like, she looks kind of like David did. She was a Marine though. And she came and she kicked the guy's butt. And there was like, a, 
the way that the, that scene was written about sort of like, what do we do? We take stinkers out to the trash. And I was like, she's hauling off a body. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was grim. And then uh, there's the three panels at the end where you've got the two girls and one of them is obviously looks like uh, Francine and she's scared. And the and the other one looks just like a chew. And, and, and she's and she's like, well, what's her deal? And she's like, she's a Marine. And she's like, I want to be a Marine with yeah. a big smile on her face and sort of that. That shade of of her mom and her of the sort of Kachu that we we knew from you know the younger Kachu, I really liked that, and I liked like we talked about this a little how they made this really big and kind of ridiculous. Yeah, oh for sure, totally ridiculous. But I I, I really I kind of appreciate that. I just I think it's ballsy. I think it's like I the creator won't be constrained by what he's done. Like, yep. well, this doesn't fit in the story. He's like, I want to put it in the story, so he makes it work, and and it it, it like. It makes as much sense as anything else. Yes. And and that's what he wanted to do. And that's the thing I've always liked about Terry Moore is that he did this so he could do what he wanted to do. And this is what came out of his subconscious. So we're going with it. And and I as long as as long as he's holding the reins, then I'm fine with that. Let's let's go for it. And you continue to get his incredible art and yep. and underrated writing. And underrated, but like people tend to focus on how great his art is, but he's a really terrific writer and Oh yeah. Yeah. I never read the entire Strangers in Paradise, but I read enough of it to really enjoy this book and know the, the characters. And plus, I read all the other books, so it all made sense in the end. And if he's got this giant overarching story to tell, then I'm all for it and I'm all in on it because it's I a think, really great world to be in. I think Kachu's nose is my favorite thing in comics. Hmm. I, I, I just I love that nose. I love the way he draws it like it's got the little sort of like upturn in it as this mine but there's always like a little shadow on it mm-hmm. and it it's hard to explain like it humanizes her in some way where that that sort of contrasts with the badass assassin person yeah i just i just like and it's it's an instant instantly recognizable face in a drawing yeah that's my point I like that nose at the end they're making a snow gorilla because that was her imaginary friend the motor girl yep that's true yeah it was really great. It was interesting to read it, not realizing it was the end. I, I fully expected them to continue on to try to save the world. And then, you know, if this is somehow the last issue, it'd be bizarre. <laughs> right. But that is what it is. It's, it, I was really happy this happened. He's doing these smaller mm-hmm. runs. This is 10 issues. I think Motor Girl was 10 issues. And I just hope to God they pay for themselves or they yeah. support him. Like, that's the real, I think that's the real fear. Is the the economics of, of this market now, and you know he, when I talked to him, he definitely had a concern about that. It was a different world talked, than when he started. We talked to him about a years ago, you know, and it was like, why are you stopping? Because like, I can't, I can't live on it. Right. Um, and, and it's not even like, oh, I don't make enough money. No, I can't live on it, and that's not fair. Yeah. Especially to a person who writes, draws letters, publishes the whole thing themselves, you the know, and it's so too. good. He's one of the yes. one of the last guys from that era still doing comics regularly. You know? Yeah. And see Jeff Smith out there. Yeah, when we started. There was a whole bunch of Jeff Smith and guys, of the black and white guys from that era, still doing books. And we started this, and only one still doing them really on a regular basis, as far as I know, is Terry Moore. Yeah, true. Criminal number two was a curveball. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Issue one ended with uh, it was a t- story of the Lawlesses, and and was it Teague Lawless? I, we talked about how I can't remember. Which, I, I which forget. And and the fact that this was a different thing threw me off on that as well. So that ended with him needing money or he was going to get killed and he found a place to rob and that, the ending was was him casing the joint and we all thought issue two would be the robbery and mm. and then as I'm reading this, it's a totally different story. I thought, well, you know, if you go back, because I went back and looked at it, if you go mm. back, it really, it could end that way. You know, he's he knows yeah. what to do. He says it's going to be easy. 
we know he lives because he's we've seen other stories with him. So it's like, okay, that could have been the end of the story. But then yeah. if you read the essay, and as is a callback to last week, in which the essay is becoming more and more important to the story, he says, "Hey, I threw you a curveball, and and I'm not necessarily going to follow everything linearly in this book." So maybe we'll go back to that at some point, or maybe we'll check into it later. But this was a totally different story, unrelated to the first issue. Yeah. You know what I didn't like about this? Mm -hmm. I did like it. I enjoyed reading it. I was down with it completely. However, it takes place in the mid to late 90s. But the Comic-Cons described in them seem more like the Comic-Cons from 10 years later or so. Oh, for sure. That was one of my notes on it. So this story is about a guy who used to be an art assistant to a famous a cartoonist or comic down with guy. that and he gets called back to a convention to be the guy's assistant because he asked for him specifically even though they ended badly and then the whole issue is him dealing with this cantankerous you know old comic creator who's kind of a jerk and then there's a crime obviously books called criminal and he gets embroiled into all that but the one thing i couldn't shake and it's just, what you just said was the drawings of the convention the events and everything that's like a modern day show Yes. And I went and to shows in the 90s, and people did dress in costume, but certainly not to the extent that they do now. And the crowded part's not true. Like, I went to San Diego for the first time in 2000, and it's nothing like going even five, six years later, but certainly not, yeah. Mid-2000s, it was still workable, and, you know, 2010, it was it was stupid. Now it's insane. And so this is a little off from that. So this it, takes place in 97. Yeah. We were in college. So I hadn't I hadn't been to a major show probably since the early '90s, and it was crowded because that was during the speculator boom. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know how late '90s shows were, but we did search as you said. That's the bankruptcy era. I mean, right. So I don't know how the shows were, but we we started going. You went 2000, yep, and I went 2001 for the first time, yep. and it was not like the. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. It just was a weird. It doesn't. It's a weird difference from reality. But if you know. You know. Yeah, you can't shake it. And I know that Ed Brubaker knows. And so it's almost like he's making a comment on shows now. And I was like, it's not the place. It's weird. It didn't It didn't fit. It, it threw me off a little. But I also see why it has to be. I mean, I'm sure with his timeline, it has to be in 97. But also in order to have the story work that he had done art assist with a, you know, sort of Silver Age guy. Mm-hmm. It couldn't be any later than this. A guy who worked for, you know, did Hanna-Barbera. Like, you know, he's basically a Wally yep. Wood type. Because... Yes. Who's, was Wally did the who did who did the uh, Space Ghost and Super Friends designs? Toth. Hollywood? Toth. Toth. Alex Toth. I don't know that era. he was a bastard. Wallywood was a bastard. Kirby did some of that stuff, but this obviously wasn't Kirby. I mean, no, I'm not saying this is based on somebody, but yeah. that's the era guy that you're talking about here. So it has to be set earlier because those yep. guys are all dead. I mean, if you take away that part, I really, I really yes. liked it. Yeah, I, I did too. And And for a little, I was like... Why are we doing a comics one? And I'm like, yeah, it works. It's still a criminal. You can do what you want. He's this, done this. it a bunch. I forgot. He said, yeah. a story in the fictional world happened in Bad Night, Wrong Time, wrong pl- and Wrong Place. So, you mm-hmm. know, he's a comic creator, and they just can't get out of that little circle of angst about their professions. I, I don't know. I don't. It's. It, I would constantly be. I am constantly reexamining it, <laughs> and I'm not even. You know, yeah. my my. It's not my my the main source of my life at this point. Yeah, it's really interesting. So this, this involves stolen art and fenced art and a, and a long lost daughter and not long lost but a strange daughter and guns are drawn and and people are pistol whipped and I really do like it's so weird like it shouldn't be so fascinating but it it is I th- I find the comic industry to just be 
like the difference between now and then is so stark. And I think it's why we keep talking about, you know, like cover. And then we were talking about Hey Kids comics. And I've read every book I can get on that era about those people. I'm trying to find a really good Wally Wood book because I want to know more because apparently he was incredibly dysfunctional and fascinating and talented and all those things. And oh yeah, he killed himself. I can't get enough of it. You know, like, yeah. I saw a piece of Wallywood art last week that just blew my mind away. Yeah, you know, is, like, they're great. And it's it's an interesting world. And it's a world that's full of con artists and dysfunctional people yeah. and people who are broken. And, and you know, any, any creative endeavor is going to be full of people who have uh, rough edges and problems, as well as normal people. There's all kinds of people. But you can you can mine great crime noir stories out of that, clearly, because yep. Breaker's done it before. And I also get the sense that those people weren't, you know, if you think about the guys who came up in the 30s and 40s and 50s, they probably weren't that far away from it. Yeah. You know? Oh, for sure. I mean, even now, you still got those guys now. It's the, it's, you, you have less rough and tumble guys, but you, know, you still have, yeah. like, criminals and con artists and comics That's now. true. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this quite a bit. I just was I, I, I was also thrown by the the way comics were portrayed, or at least the, the culture was, because it was felt too modern. But yep, I could be wrong. The Flash 64, part two of... Whatever the, the price. story is called, the price. I didn't read it, but I know it's the price. You didn't read it, Josh Williamson, Rafa Sandoval. Rafa Sandoval is pretty good. I like Rafa Sandoval. I enjoyed this issue more than the last one. Is the last one the one that was in the Batman? Yes. Okay. It's, it's basically gotcha. weekly. Next week's Batman, then the next part, and then right. after that's Flash. In this issue, Batman and the Flash get to go off and be cops and investigate. And I like that dynamic between the two of them. Even though I don't think Williamson has Batman's voice. We've always been okay with him being chatty amongst the Justice League people, but I don't know. Something's a little off about the way he, he writes Batman's voice, but um, here they, they're sort of rivals, but who's better at being a detective? And I like that bit, and there was a bit in the middle about Flash not knowing about the marriage, so he asked how, how, the, how being newlywed is, and that was fun and awkward. And Even though ultimately this you know Gotham Grill's annoying and the whole story's kind of annoying, the Flash and Batman together are fun. Sure. They're very different, but also are very the, similar. Are they the, what are they? They're not the brave and the bold. No, that's, uh, that's well, Batman and whoever, but. Yeah. Although it's funny because Martian Manhunter's also a cop, so you'd think they would sort of have a little little troika of. I feel cops. like, I feel like Martian Manhunter's just, just, that's his day job. Like, he's not super into that part. Also, he kind of cheats. Yeah. This is his telepathy, you know, it's like these, you know, Batman and Flash have to actually look at clues and DNA and. Do you remember the, um, that character that Judd Winnick created, Josie Mack? Mm-hmm. I liked that character. Josie and Mack I liked, character. like, her, her power was that, like, she could get the story from, like, she I guess, could find what was lost. around. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's yeah. great. It was good. It was really good. I like that character. The only problem, again, is that, you know, that's what this is about. It's all about sanctuary. So, you know, they, right. get, they get another argument about sanctuary. And part of the problem seems to be that, Bruce sent Gotham Girl to Sanctuary, and so, you know, they're all blaming him for that, and, did you send her to Sanctuary? It's like, oh, God. You know, it's one of those retcon things that's really sort of, you know, blowing everything up. Yeah. I don't mind it as a story on its own, I've decided. Like, it makes sense. It seeps into the other books, and it's just... Sure. It's just annoying. This too shall pass. Will it? Probably. What about Jor-El? Superman number eight, Brian Bendis, Brandon Peterson, a little bit of Ivan Reese. I think I've decided, and you know, we talked a lot about the Jor-El storyline when it was happening, the Mr. Oz storyline, the reveal that it was Jor-El and he's alive. And 
And I know that Superman is not the last in the Krypton. There's Supergirl, there's there's Zod and his family and Brainiac. There's all kinds of people from Krypton running around. But I feel like in the same way Damien sort of fundamentally breaks Batman, I feel like Jor-El being alive fundamentally breaks Superman. And I was feeling that as I was reading this. Because it's his father. The whole point of this is that he he lost his biological family and was raised by the Kents on Earth. And he has this sort of beacon that he never met that he's constantly striving for. But now he can talk to him. And it's just like that totally, I think, breaks the important aspect of Superman. I'm of two minds. I think that part of – I think – I definitely partially think that you're right. However – I think that it has led to some interesting stories mm-hmm. at the same time. And I also think that if I'm a creator and I'm, uh, what are we, 80, 90 years into Superman? 80. 80, 80. 80. You want to look around and see what's there. And the thing is, you know, like, like, well, this is a character who clearly has father issues. And then we went and we made him a father. So where do we go from there? And it kind of seems logical in a world where you can bring people back or they're in the Phantom Zone or they're whatever. And I don't know – I still don't know how it's going to end. And I think that that has a lot to do with it. Like if we find out that this is the guy. We've done sure. time travel stories. What was the time travel? Was there? Was that in Starman? I'm sure. Starman, like they went back. I think in Starman they went back in time. They were at Krypton and they met Jor-El before that. There's nothing wrong with like a brief meeting. But it, having yeah. him sort of back in the life and raising, and, you know, raising the grandson yep. and that's a problem. But it, yeah, but I also like how it's falling apart because it should not be. Mm-hmm. And I like that, like he's crazy, kind of. I really, I, I like this issue a lot. Uh, just, just to make issue. that known. It was all about him and, and and Jonathan in space. I liked that we basically had a time jump with Jonathan without having to do it with everybody else. I yeah. think I love relativity in stories. It's a in sci-fi. It's one of my favorite things. I like that when he came back, like he had, he was, he still has personality, but he was older, mm-hmm. so it had shifted, and he's like a little. He's 17 now. Yeah, he's 17. He's trying to be funny. He's, But he's also got some confidence to him from going out and doing that. And there's good character development is basically what I'm getting at. And then, you know, the parents having to deal with that. And, and you know, natural progression of Superman becoming a dad and having to weigh that against all the other stuff that he does. I like I like that. I can I can relate to that. I can work with it. And then finally, you know, I'm not – Ivan Reese stuff, whatever. I think Brandon Peterson is, is delightful. He's really good. I remember seeing his name a lot in the sort of early days of us doing this and, you know, in the late 90s and stuff. And I don't know where he went or what they did, but he's great. He should draw more uh, or he should draw whatever he can. But his pages, I really I really dug them. Yeah, he's got a he's got a really nice uh, dynamic action to it. He's got great acting. Mm-hmm. He's got an interesting texture to his work that sort of looks like early Eminem. In a way. Yeah, it's a little of that. It's almost a little uh, like Tony Harris too, but with mm-hmm. underdrawings as opposed to like cartoon or photos. Yeah, it's good in this issue. So we we see Actually, as Jonathan goes from twelve to seventeen in between two panels, which was nice. And then while he's in space, he wants to go home. He finally tells his grandfather, "I just want to go home." And so they have a very one one year very silent travel because he's pissed off and they're so far away from Earth. And then they get sucked into a black hole and come out the other side in the. Crime syndicate world. So basically, they're on Earth 3. And so yeah. that was a fun reveal. Yep. It's just fun. I mean, you know, they were in the Green Lanterns at one point. He asked them to take them home. And they're like, sorry, we can't do that. And I felt really sad for no, him. No, they were, they were gonna. And then, and then uh, Jor-El showed up and it was awkward. Well, yeah, because it's his grandfather. So it was like, they can't just take his, kid, his grandson I, away. I also really liked, I think, uh, I really liked the idea that 
Superman is so well known. Like, and that's sometimes the yep. only thing that anybody knows about Earth in the in the world. Yeah, can, yeah. I really like that. And also the variant cover where he has Ray Liotta eyes is hilarious. <laughs> so this saga continues to be wonderful. Bendis is really sort of playing with the whole DCU. The, the, I just like when he brings in bits like the Green Lantern Corps of the space. And mm-hmm. it, it's just it's a yep. fun reveal. And it, I don't love the character, Jonathan, but they're doing, what's, they're doing with him is interesting. I just I, I keep getting impressed that like Bendis has such a sort of deep knowledge of DC and is able to weave it in so smoothly. He did a lot of reading very quickly. Yeah, I guess so. Even so, I mean, like, there are multitudes, you know? Like, it's just so much. Speaking of father issues, <laughs> um, did you read Thor, number uh, 10? Yeah, I did, yeah. Um, this is another one that I have some uh, I have some thoughts about. And mm-hmm. what I think is that, so basically, this is a f- sort of a fight between Thor and Odin. It's not more sort of a fight. They, they bust a lot of yeah, hammers no, on each yeah. other. Uh, yeah, so, like, the, the War of the Realms is going on, and Thor is, you know, going through hammers because he's trying to make himself worthy and he's he can't be stopped and he's you know he's try he's trying to be good and morally right and all that stuff you know he's fighting the good fight and he thinks his dad should be helping him more and they they get into a fight and the the crux of this though is that everything that he says out loud is the same stuff that we've always heard odin say you're a selfish greedy boy you're not good enough you're not whatever uh and then his inner monologue is like i'm so proud of you why can't i say this out loud i want to tell you you're the best you know like and I don't know. That's not. That's not Odin. Odin not thinking that. Like he's not. I, I don't buy it for a second. That being said, I thought it was really, really well done. And I think that there is an analogy here that many, many, many people can relate to. Well, hold on. You don't. You don't think that Odin deep down feels proud of Thor? Not uh, consciously. Hmm. Interesting. I think that you might feel that way, and it might. Gotten this and this is totally getting into like, well, how would you write it? Whatever, like, and I don't want to. I'm not. I'm not going to rewrite Jason Aaron. That's not the point. But my my instinct would be like a character like that is so sure of himself over such a long time that maybe that thought would would guide his actions. But I don't think he would think them specifically like that. That was not the inner monologue of a millennia old uh, sort of super god. I think he might feel it, but but like. Saying it, uh, uh, giving it, giving it word, giving it voice—I I don't. I feel like isn't a thing because his ego would be too, you know, whatever. But I still found value. I found a lot of value in reading it. I, I enjoyed. It. I thought it was really well done. And you know, that could even be an exercise of maybe he is thinking those thoughts, but he's he not giving them voice. But we've translated them. Oh, that seems to be what it is, right? He just, and, he... and the thing that's yes. And the thing that's interesting is, you know, like, well, why can't, why doesn't he act on that? Why, why are dads like this? And, and, you know, I can say that from, from two, you know, you can say it as a, as a kid who had a father, everybody had a father. I can say it as a father and, you know, even slightly like there, there's things where you're like, what are you doing? That's stupid. And at the same time, you're thinking, I'm proud of you're doing a good job. And I think that it can be hard to, like, you're you're trying to be a dad and and teach them things, which isn't always the same thing as telling them that they're great. Mm. There's a contrast there. And so, you know, I don't know the story with Jason Aaron's dad. Uh, I know that he's, he's got a son. It was pretty heartfelt. Mm-hmm. It was in a weird forum, but but I, I totally accepted it, and, and I like it a lot. How do you feel about the series? I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I've read all 10 issues. I just yep. feel like I don't know what it's doing. I don't know what story it's telling. I'll, I mean, the deal is that this War of the Realms thing has been going on for years now. It's been building up, and now we're, we're going on with it. So... Presumably, we're moving towards the 
resolution of that. But this happened with the Jane Foster Thor book uh, was going on in there. It's going on through here. So that is definitely starting to feel long in the tooth. In fact, you know, like it actually really started with his initial Thor run, which was a really long time ago now. As we've been building towards this, he brought back Malekith. Mm-hmm. But that's just been going on. Right. Forever, which I think is that feeling that you're feeling. I do feel that too. I love Mike Del Mundo. I think that mm-hmm. he's great on this. There's at first, I the first time I saw him, he was, was Archon. I think it was one of those uh, Battle World books that Jason Aaron wrote with him, and and it was really cool looking. It was almost more painterly, but this has little moments of like animation cell kind of stuff in it, yep. which is really interesting. It doesn't look like anything, but it, it does the job. I do think I would like to, you know, I actually don't want Jason Aaron's run to end. And mm-hmm. so if the end of his run is the end of the War of Realms, then keep it going. Well, it's coming in two months. Yeah. According to the cover. So it's coming. Yeah, but that has to be the thing. And there's the fallout and the whatever. Return to the War of Realms. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, like, I feel like at the end of it, there's going to be the War of the Realms, but also Thor has to get his fucking hammer back. At some point. You'd think. Let Thor be Thor. So let's, uh, everyone can ruminate on their... Various personal father issues or not. While we talk about your skin, it's one of the most important things that you've got in your whole life. It's your skin. It's your precious skin. It's your largest organ. And, you know, especially the skin on your face, it's more, it's more sensitive than your, like the skin on your elbow or, or your calf. It's a softer skin. You need to treat it well. You need, you need premium products to pamper that skin so it glows and people go, wow, your skin's looking really great today. Because really, is there a higher compliment? I don't know of one. <laughs> Go on, Dr. Kilpatrick. So, Tell me more about skin. One of those great products to make your skin look great is Harry's shaving sets. They got all the products you need. They got blades. They got creams. They got gels. When you use those products to shave, you end up with, with I would say, glowing. I would say it's a little bit of a glowing effect. But it's not like, greasy. Not That's greasy. No. It's comfortable. Uh, it's smooth. You get a nice close shave. The gels and the creams moisturize, so afterwards, you feel like a million bucks. You look like a million bucks, and people will compliment you on your shave. I'm not guaranteeing that, but I'm just saying it's happened to me before, so. Did you do the Harry's pitch when they said it to you? Well, it's funny you mentioned that, because... Well, sit down talked, for a second. I'm going to talk to you about Harry's minutes. for three minutes. And you walked away, and they went, well, he knows a lot about Harry's. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's true. What are three other things about Harry's? <laughs> you can get the handles in different colors. I have orange. So... If you want to have really close, comfortable shave that causes your skin to look great and you get compliments, you can join the 10 million people that have already tried Harry's. You can claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash ifanboy. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. The day knew a great shave didn't come from gimmicks like a vibrating head or flex balls or handles that look like spaceships. Tactic that leading brands have used to raise their prices for decades. They give you all kinds of bells and whistles. Don't actually make your shaving experience any better. But it costs more. So the Harry's founders fixed that by combining a simple, clean design with quality, durable blades at a fair price. Harry's bought the world-class blade factory in Germany. They've been making quality blades for 95 years at that factory, so they, they've got the know-how. They've received over 20,000 five-star reviews on Trustpilot and Google. That means people love the blades. They're good blades. It's a good product. And Harry's replacement cartridges are just $2 each. That's half the price of, say, Gillette Fusion Pro Shield. Half price. Half price is significant. I mean, I don't get out of bed for less than 20% off, so 50% off. <laughs> I'll get out of bed and get dressed for that. <laughs> give yourself a shave. Oh, I get, give a shave. 
All Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, you let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Just like that. No questions asked. Can I, can I also just add in here? It's not even the copy. The Flanagans, the boys here anyway, were all switched over to the Harry's body wash. Mm, I'm too. I'm in the shower right now. Yeah, they, they sent us uh, some samples. I have since purchased more. I bought the three-pack recently. Yeah. Yeah. I just I found it at the at the Target. Oh, Maybe it was nice. the Walmart. Like, it was just there. So you, you can go get this stuff pretty much anywhere, or you can order directly from Harry's, your call. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm down. I got the fig, I think, upstairs. Uh, every time one of the kids is taking a shower, I'm like, that smells great up there. <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah, I went. I, I bought it after the samples, and I have I have now months of of body wash set to go. So there you go. You can find all those products at harrys.com. So to get your $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, including a weighted ergonomic handle, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, the rich lather and shave gel, and the travel blade cover. So you can go to harrys.com slash ifanboy to redeem your trial set. And make sure to go to harrys.com slash ifanboy to redeem the offer and also let them know that we sent you there to help support the show. So we appreciate Harry's. We appreciate you. We appreciate nice skin and close shaves. And also nice smelling body wash, too. It's true. It's absolutely true. Go out in the world and look and smell good. That's what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Miss Marvel 38 was the final issue for G. Willow Wilson with a character she helped create more than 38 issues ago. This is issue. This is really issue 57, which is kind of funny when the legacy number is only slightly bigger than the, than the actual number on the cover. It's just dumb. Anyway, the weird thing about this issue was that she didn't get to write the whole thing, which I thought was odd. So they had multiple creative teams doing multiple bits of the story. I mean, the great thing about it was it got to include the artists that have worked on the book throughout the run, but it was just bizarre that she didn't get to write the whole thing. G. Will Wilson wrote a bit with Nico Leon. Devin Grayson wrote a bit with Takeshi Miyazawa. Eve L. Ewing wrote with Joey Vasquez. Jim Zub wrote with Kevin Lebranda. And the new writer of the book, Saladin Ahmed, wrote with Minku Young and Juan Velasco. And it was a sweet story, sort of the series finale, even though it's not. She was having just a normal boring day in New Jersey, and then something happens, and there's a vortex, and the vortex takes her through. It's sort of a very World of Warcraft scenario, where they, a video game-like world where they have to follow quests, and she finds different versions of the characters playing different sort of video game personas, and they, they resume their old persona, and they complete the quests, and then it gets to the end, and they're all friends. It was a sweet story. I just found it very bizarre that G. Willow Wilson didn't get to write the whole thing. It's the most pro-New Jersey book in the modern era. Which is difficult. It is. It's often it a stretch is. to be pro-New Jersey. This is the Bridgegate state, for God's sake. So I'm going to stick around with Salad and Ahmed. And we'll see if he has the same magic that G. Willow Wilson brought to the character. But he's a good writer, so hopefully he does. And we'll see. And I'll report back. But this is one of my favorite books of the last, you know, however many issues it's been, 67 or whatever I just said. I really like the character. I really like her. I really like the world. So I'm going to stick with it for a while anyway. Did you read Captain Marvel number two? No. No, should I have? It wasn't great, but I liked it. Let me ask you this. Did I read Captain Marvel number one? Yes, we talked about it. Okay. It was overwritten, if you recall, with Tony Stark and all that stuff. Right, right, right. That would explain why I didn't read it. So this book did some things I really liked, and it did some things I really didn't like. It sounds very similar to uh, Kelly Thompson's run of West Coast Avengers. I think it's overwritten. I think it's too on the nose. Mm -hmm. The male chauvinist character here, the bad guy, is called Machismo. And I was just like, okay. But the story's interesting. So in the last issue, if you recall, Josh, there was a vortex that she got sucked into over the, yep. river, over the Hudson River or the East River. Right, right. They were fighting ocean monsters and whatnot. Spider-Woman got sucked in, too. And then the rest of the Avengers didn't make it through. And so what we find out is that this vortex is like a 
mystical shield over Roosevelt Island, and inside the shield, uh, time moves much quicker. So it's a relativity thing. So while Spider Woman's been there for like two weeks, she's only been you know blinked through the shield for like an hour and a half. And so there's this resistance of women fighting this this character Machismo. Well, he's got a new name now, but he used to be called Machismo, which is dumb. <clears throat> so there's this fun thing where you know they've been there a while. It's very post-apocalyptic. They, you know they've got guns and their costumes are all destroyed and they got like face paint and as they're as they're fighting this guy and his robot minions. And that that part I really enjoyed. I like the conceit of going through this barrier where they've been there for a while, but their real lives continue only. You know, for instance, Spider Woman's been gone for two weeks. But her kid doesn't know that because it's only been an hour for the kid. So that's the kind of thing that, that is fun. And then at the end of the area, She-Hulk shows up. So I'm kind of torn because there are real problems. It is still overwritten, but I like the setup and I like the story. So I might continue reading until the problems and everything else becomes too much. But I did like it. That's fine. I got I lost $60 cash at Roosevelt Island once. Just because you, you made an ill-advised purchase or you just dropped I it had somewhere? sold some shelves... Some IKEA shelves because we were we were downsizing. Person mm-hmm. gave me sixty bucks in cash. I don't remember the reason, but I drove to Roosevelt Island directly after that. Were you going to go buy cocaine? No, I think I, I think there was like a field over there or something. There so is I, a I was, field there, yeah. Yeah, so I think I maybe I took the dog over there, or maybe I was just like I'm going to go look at Roosevelt Island. I've never been there, so I just drove across the bridge to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then, like, when I got home, my $60 was gone, and I, I can presume that I just put my hand in my pocket and, like, the, the money fell out. Right. But the only place I got out was Roosevelt Island. And I might have gone back to that parking lot. You'll never go back to Roosevelt Island. I used to ride my bike there sometimes. Like, I just on a bike ride, I could go there from my house relatively easily. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of ride around in that area because it was interesting. Didn't see, like, the rest of New York City. This is an aside. I played a lot of soccer there. There's a lot of soccer fields. I played a lot. Yes, there are. Yep, yeah. yep. Were there a lot of high-rise efficiency condos then? Strangely, just a lot of cash laying around. Just everywhere. Just cash. Yeah. yeah. So this is one of the strange features of Roosevelt. Just coated in cocaine. The Amazing Spider-Man 15. <laughs> did you read this issue? I did. For a second, I, was, I thought, did I miss something? I had a little of that feeling. Mm-hmm. I was trying to remember where we left off. But my main takeaway from this issue was that I had uh, momentarily been looking forward to Chris Bocciolo on here. But there were some sequences here that I got lost on, mm-hmm. and it reminded me of the first time that I ever read Chris Bocciolo, which I believe was on a book called Steampunk, or it was Steampunk, mm-hmm. and there was a whole sequence with, like, clicking and clacking and stuff as a sound effect that was moving between panels, and I was completely lost and didn't know what was going on, and that exact same thing happened here. Was there clicking and clacking here? There was a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the thing, so I'm looking at it, but there was, like, a sequence where a bunch of, like, I was trying to remember what it was, Peter... Thack, I think it was the sound effect, uh-huh. and I wasn't quite sure what was happening. And I, I went back and read it a couple times, but it wasn't – it was – okay, so the building has collapsed. Peter is looking around through the rubble trying to find Aunt May. There's a weird page where Taskmaster and Ant-Man are there, and, and then Taskmaster jumps up behind Peter, who's sort of upside down in the panel, and it looks like Taskmaster's biting him, and it says, Thack, Thack, Thack. Thack, thack, thack. And I guess he throws him. He's punching him. That could be what's the sound the, of, of... What's the... Fir- but you can't see any of it. Right, he's punching him off screen. That, he's punching down. Eh, I, that sequence, like, it, I went back and read it a couple of times. Like, I wasn't quite sure what I was reading. Did Taskmaster bite him? Like, it's... And that, you can't quite see... Taskmaster's face looks like it's... 
got two fronts to it. I don't know if that's supposed to be motion or whatever. I don't see any biting anywhere. It, yeah, I think because I thought that that tablecloth that he had was Peter, but it's not. Peter's in a weird position there. Peter's I, that, that headbutting age, him. I looked at this. Oh, okay. Okay. That's weird, though. I didn't like that page. Okay. I found Sorry. this oddly emotional because I had completely forgotten about Ned Leeds, who was a character from Peter's past. And here he's sort of a... He's the homeless man that may helped in the last issue. And that before the building collapsed when Taskmaster and the evil Ant-Man attacked. And so we get a flashback. I love when they use the vintage art for the flashbacks. Yes. I really love it. And then that. I always wonder if they use that or if that's the artist interpreting. It looks like vintage. Yeah. Either way, yeah. this, the idea is a good one, whether it's vintage or whether it's... Uh, an, but I think this is vintage. Anyway, yep. the point is... I like that. He, he figures out that this homeless man who got injured is Ned Leeds, and Ned Leeds was, was a character. He was a reporter when Peter was at the Daily Bugle and way back in the 60s. So he's a character who's been around forever, and then I guess he dies. kind of feels like he dies. Yep. And it was very sad. It's another failure on Peter's part for someone else that he knows who didn't make it because of something that happened to him. So I, I thought this was a really strong issue, I, and I'm looking forward to Craven unleashing whatever he's going to unleash onto Peter through the lens of Nick Spencer's demented mind. Yeah. I'm also not super clear on the deal with the Lizard's family and what's going on there. I really did like the bit where he was working with the rhino, but he had to make the decision, like, I can't help the rhino right now. So the rhino's like, you'll pay for this. You'll all be like, and I was like, oh, that's going to be a thing. That's kind of cool. <laughs> I, I think that overall, the issue that I've got with the art in this, and we're going to move on very, very momentarily, is that I don't know that Bocciolo's art with the white borders and the way that he composes a page works particularly well with digital. Because I always feel like I'm looking at half of a double page spread, mm. and I keep flipping back. and like, wait, is this – And it, it, it's it's not bad. It's It's just that – on paper, it would be fine. But here, I keep thinking that I'm supposed to be looking at... Even though you know that they will automatically change it for you? Yes, but it makes me... For a second, Like it, it's off-putting enough that I check to see that there wasn't an error. Because that can happen with comicsology sometimes. Not very often, but I just keep double-checking it and like sort of thinking about it. It, just, it seems to fit weird with the digital reader. And that, again, I have no problem with somebody composing for the printed comic book page. I'd prefer it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it throws me off a little bit. I am shocked. Shocked. That somebody at Marvel thinks that there is room in the world for two <laughs> Conan books. What, you're shocked that they're flooding the market? I, well, no, it's, uh, it makes sense if they're flooding the market with Deadpool. But Conan is not really a hot property. And that's why I didn't read it. Even though Jerry Duggan's great and Ron Garney's terrific, I, I was like, I don't need two Conan books. I just don't need two. You said Jerry Duggan's great. It's true. It's fine. Whatever. Uh, Ron Garney is awesome at it like it's great perfect for it It was perfect it's beautiful however i like the story it was fun it's conan i feel like if you're a person who's like i can write conan then you probably do a pretty good job at it i don't think it's super hard if you've got the aptitude and so conan sounds right the attitude's right everything except in this conan is floating in the ocean and he's picked up by pirates Mm-hmm. But he's picked up by pirates who look like the kinds of pirates that we would think of when I say pirates to you. And that feels like an anachronism to me, even though Conan is not real. Well, as, I mean, he's about to join into a Marvel crossover. So yeah. it's all going to be. So maybe he's through time and it's the late 1700s in this book. It's fine, but it was weird. But the Ron Garney art is so good. It I really loved it. And I like the you know, this, the story. Was I fine. had the same reaction. I saw the book and I was like, I, I don't I don't need two Conan books. I really I enjoyed the it. one. I don't need a second one. And then I saw the career of people and I was like, ah, oh, f- 
Fuck, but still no, I don't need an I don't need another Conan book. I don't want I don't want what would happen would be to get annoyed and then stop reading all of them. Yep. Do you know I, what I mean? I, I think it's a valid choice. I did just have to check it out and and I but I really did anybody did somebody else comment one way or another like with the, the pirates were weird, right? They were the they were like our, you know, the jacket and the sword and the parrot and stuff. Like it was I don't know, it was weird. Hmm. Right. I don't well, think those kind of pirates were around in the time that this is supposed to be evoking. <laughs> those are the books we wanted to talk about, but at patreon.com slash ifanboy, patrons of all shapes and sizes can vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, they voted for Wonder Twins number one from Mark Russell and Stephen Byrne. <laughs> so Wonder Comics. that sigh that I just gave you mm-hmm. is not an indicator of how I feel about this book. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed this book a great deal. I laughed several times. I'm fucking running out of things to say about Mark Russell. Well, he's had a lot of books come out very rapidly. So yeah. when it was just Flintstones, it was fine. But it was, it was Wonder Twins and Lone Ranger and Red Sonja. So we've had a lot of Mark Russell on the show in the last but it's, month or so. It, but basically what we talk about is we talk about the Mark Russell scale. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is very Mark Russell-y. Well, this isn't much Mark Russell-y, but you can see a little Mark Russell. And wow, this doesn't seem Mark Russell-y at all. But there's a little Mark Russell. You know, it, it, it's funny. It's clever. It's a different voice on the DC universe. We've said this before. Like, he, he seems to be able to make humor work in these comics, in the mainstream comics, in a way that nobody else can do mm-hmm. that isn't grating to my sensibilities, which are pretty fucking irritating for, for humor. It's an it's a new take. It's sort of like combining. I don't know if we're living in the real comic book world, right? Or you know the canon or whatever. But it seems like this is a Super Friends version of things. But I thought it was you know I thought it was really funny. I really it enjoyed funny. it. And it doesn't you know it doesn't really matter. Continuity doesn't yeah. really matter. No, it doesn't. Zan and Jaina are at a local school. They're high school students, and so they get an internship at the Hall of Justice and end up accidentally saving the world from Mr. Mixie's Piddlick. It was funny. It's, I just looked. That's that's good ice. Damn fine ice. <laughs> so that, he's on the hockey team. He thinks he's going to yeah. help him meet girls, and he, they just want him to make the ice real nice because he can turn it into water. But he's happy water. about it. Yeah, he yeah. has a big smile on his face. I like how they're, they're overcompensating. Zan is an overcompensating teenager in this. I like that this is a version of the Justice League characters that, that is kind of funny and kind of it's, it reminds me of like when garth ennis would put the justice league into stories that he was right. doing they're kind of buffoonish yeah but he just takes away that little shine of everything and he, he lets it be kind of funny i i you know i like that it was evocative of you know the, the bit about the supercomputer which is like well yeah then they got cell phones it's not really worth it but the computer's still there much like the elephant vacuum cleaner from yeah. the flintstones like he wants to have a purpose i assume the thunderlust part is new i i uh, assume as well that race feels uncontrollable lust when there's thunder out. I don't recall that being on Super Friends. It would have been nope. interesting. But I don't know. Maybe there's been comics or something. I don't know. I, I assume not. It was fun. It looked really good. I liked the production, the color. I, I might have made this a pick of the week, quite honestly. Even though you you started this segment by saying you were you were sick of Russell. I, no, that's not what I said. I said mm. I'm I. I I'm running out of things to say about Russell that are interesting and new to the listeners of this show. Right. That's a different thing. That's a unique problem that nobody listening should be able to relate to. Right. Other than I'm sick of listening to Josh and Connor talk about 
Mark Russell comics in the exact same way. This is the problem that we used to run into with great books and great creators. Yeah, you know, this was the 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 um the Queen and Country problem, the Captain America problem, the um oh, what's the 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 ba- the book uh, did, uh Gotham Central. Yep. it's the Gotham Central problem. Mm-hmm. It's good again, and back then we didn't even know what we were talking about. <laughs> so you know. It's fun. I don't know if this is ongoing. I don't know if it's a mini. It doesn't really matter. It's just it's it's a fun, humorous take on the Justice League, and we'll see going forward. I don't you know. I enjoyed it. It was really it was really good. Yep. I, I was looking forward to it. I, I enjoyed it as much as I thought I would. It's it's a much more o- openly funny Mark Russell book as opposed to say Red yep. Sonia or Lone Ranger, which are incidentally funny. This is more of a humor book. Yep. Let it fly. Stephen Burns terrific. He's got he's yeah, got he kind is. of a cartoony style, but not. But it looks like it could, could be kind of animated, but still very clearly comic book art. Um, good match. Really yeah. good match. So, ratings on... Ratings. Wonder Twins. Out of five, I'm going to give it a four. Four and a half. All right. Sticking with it? Yeah. yeah if it exists. I'm, if it doesn't get canceled. This was a one shot. I, I mean, but, I mean, like, the, the issue structure was one shot. Well, I, his, I his, was, uh, yeah. his Jesus book was canceled, so... <laughs> he needs the work. Let's talk about patron power. So in addition to the okay. patron pick where patrons can vote to add a book to the rundown, every patron can do that over at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Anyone at the $5 or higher level gets their own power on the show, their own superpower. It's not in the script because I forgot to just this moment, Josh, but you promised last week that you were going to give a new power to that dude who you gave a duplicate power to. That's true, and I'm going to stick by that. We're going to do it after. After, okay. We're going to do it after we do these ones because, you know... I have to use the one because I it have was on confirmed page. by our powers department yep. that you did indeed give the same exact power to someone else. Maybe they're their own. They're their own wonder twins. It would have been fine if you hadn't then guaranteed a new power for them. Okay, you That's dug fine. your own I hole here. Was it Chris? Chris Conine? Is that who it was, or was I, it Austin? I, I will. I will. I. I think it was the whatever the latter one was. I don't know. Whoever it was. Whatever your name was, one of those two names, Chris or Austin, you know. I'm going to look I it up while you babble, but let's talk about Ben Wright. Ben Wright's power sure. is that when he eats perfectly cooked meat, and it has to be perfectly cooked. And that's, not, that's an objective perfectly cooked, not a subjectively perfectly cooked? Perfectly cooked. Okay. That is up to the interpretation of the listener. Okay. When that happens, he gets Popeye-like powers. So the whole thing happens. He put the meat goes down into the gullet. The arms pop out. There's a little song. The whole situation. <laughs> it was the little song that got me. <laughs> but it has to be perfectly cooked, which means he needs to have a grill at the ready at all times in case there's trouble. And so then he he has to cook meat. And if he if he gets distracted and it gets a little dry, the powers don't happen. He just has a he just has a nice meal, but he doesn't get the the strength. Does he want the strength necessarily? Do you think like he ever orders something well done just so he can avoid like the song, <laughs> the song happening at the stage? Like house. he's just in a bad situation for like he's at like his his kids like parents friends house for a barbecue and he's like just can you just leave that on there for a little while? <laughs> you sure it's perfectly cooked now? No, I'm sure, I'm sure it is, but I just, you know what? <laughs> just, you're gonna get the whole thing. I don't really. <laughs> It's a whole. Thing. I'm gonna rip this really... shirt. I don't really. This is one of my favorite shirts, and uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's a struggle for him because you know everyone wants well cooked meat, but for him it could be a, it could be a burden unless there's trouble, in which case he's gonna break out the portable like grill in the back of his truck and 
start cooking real fast, you know. Tank top kind of day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oddly enough, though, he can't cook very well. Well, he's he's had to learn real quick. Yeah. 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 Hung Gwyn mm-hmm. uh, has the power to speed up time for himself uh, when he's in a boring situation or he wants to he wants to move through something. A skip to the end power. The so other give me side an example. of example. Let's have a little example before you go to the other side. You're waiting at the DMV. Oh, I the see. The thing says, you know, now serving number 17. Uh, it hasn't changed for 10 minutes. 16 was 10 minutes ago, and your number is 38. He can speed that bit up. So does the whole world speed up? He, he just sort of jumps to the end? Is that what It's happens? just his perception of it. Hmm. Everybody else would perceive time as the same way, but he, he perceives it as speeding up. Now, the other side of that, of course, is that uh, he's he's speeding his death. Oh, that's dark. I mean, like he's getting close, like he's using up his time on Earth. Oh, well, okay. So you have a choice to make. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, and the question, like, would you use that? Like, I really don't want to be here right now, but I'm shortening. I'm I'm effectively shortening my life. That's that's dark. Yeah. And th- these aren't always. Fun, although I, you know, I like the idea, like, yeah, I don't want to be waiting at this DMV anymore. I think sure. smartphones have really started that process. Well, I can look at this now. This is why I used to carry a book around everywhere. John Joseph Jackson knows if a movie is worth. Too. John Joseph Jackson knows if a movie's worth seeing. He sees a trailer or a commercial, and he says, "Yeah, there's a really good performance, or the directing's really good, or he just knows, yeah, that's worth seeing." I suspect there's been a version of this. Uh, well, possibly. I think mine. Was, I think I did one. It was about books. Could be. He, yeah. You, well, you know the book by the cover thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. However, mm-hmm. I am not making a guarantee about a new power like you did foolishly. Okay, no, I think I I don't blame you for that. I'm just saying he knows if there's something about the movie worth seeing. Is there an objective yes, no, thumbs up, thumbs down about a film? Like this is a good movie. This is a no. Bad it's just, he just knows if it's worth seeing. It necessarily for himself mean, or for others. Just in general, I say, hey, is that worth? Yeah. Is it worth seeing? Uh, this yes, it's worth seeing it. Because you know that the scale for that is very different for different people. Sure. My scale very different than like my mom's. Sure. Yeah. But he just, just, he just knows. You should go to that. You're going to like that. So I'm going to assume, well, after you do Der Blitz, who I've met. Oh, okay. I'll tell you. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Der Blitz is German for The Blitz. He's a cool dude. I met him in Germany. Well, there you go. I met him at uh, Gamescom, at the video game convention, at a party. Der Blitz. Um, he's got I, a, I don't know if he still does it, but he had a whole YouTube situation going on. He's a Flash YouTube. dude. Oh, I see. I think the blitz means the the fast. I I, I you know, I know that der is the. Right. I know that. That's as much as so I you, know. You like can't, you can't like their newspaper, Der Spiegel or the Spiegel. <laughs> That's a John Oliver joke. If I go ahead and give the, credit uh, for their that. blitz, according to Google Translate, means the lightning. So he's he's a flash. Yeah. he's a flash super fan. There you go. So there you I go. like that. Yeah. Well, did you know that Der Blitz is telepathically linked to Ray Romano? Yeah, he's not gonna know who Ray Romano is. Well, it wasn't my fault that that was what was here. Okay. But like, if he's got a problem or he needs to reach out, he can always talk to Ray Romano, no matter the world. And like, so in his head, he just hears. Uh, 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 well, uh, 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 all right. 
<laughs> so he's he's telepathically linked. Well, Ray, to Ray Romano, Romano, famously nice uh, guy, so he will. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, clearly give you the um, advice you need, and the... uh, yeah, he's in my head. I uh, you know, mm. uh. <laughs> can you tell I just wanted to do that? Yes, I can tell. That's fine. My wife really, really, really hates when I do that. No kidding. And we, we watched. He had a new special on on Netflix, and yeah. we watched it. And the whole time I was going, Argh. and she's like, "You don't sound like him." I was like, <laughs> "Stop!" It's not about sounding exactly like him. No, it's not. So, uh, our intrepid reporter Chris, who's in charge of maintaining our database of powers, who as far as I can tell, has not updated the database for about four episodes, nevertheless checked in to say that, yes, you did duplicate that power from episode 608. Okay. So if you if you would like to bestow a new power on whoever yep. it was last time, go for it. You can keep fish alive. Put that fish in a tank. Do we, you know how to keep them alive. pH levels, food, whatever, kelp or whatever needs to be in there, you just instinctively know how to do that. Right. So, for example... Aquarium wants to bring you in. We've never had a great white shark in captivity for this long. We do that. Or a little betta fish, you know? I don't know. They keep dying. It's Those motherfuckers. Of... I bought one when I first moved to L.A. And uh -huh. it was dead within the week. And I was like, I'm not doing this again. I We bought one for our kid two years ago for Christmas. And we killed it within a week and a half. I put a tank warmer in there, which mm -hmm. it was said was for that kind of fish, but it killed him. And then we got another one. My son has never paid any attention to this fish, but I've had it alive for over two years, and I'm, I'm not prouder of anything I've ever done. <laughs> you had to work at it, whereas unnamed person who got their powers duplicated can just yeah. do it. You also get to keep the old power. Sure. You have two powers. You don't. I'm not taking it away from you. It's a bonus power. So you, you, yeah, it's bonus power. All right. There you go. Patreon.com slash fanboy. That's where you can get your power. Yeah. Do you like these powers? Do you like this as a thing we're doing? Because you know what? I'm telling you, eventually we're going to run out of this list. You've been on the fence about it. You've been thinking, oh, man, I I, I want to. I, I don't know if I want to support them, but I'd love to have that, and I really don't want that to go away. Maybe that's a reason to sign up over at Patreon. That's how you support the show. We really want to do this next stretch goal. That would be uh, the non-comics media podcast uh, on a monthly basis which would be really fun. I think that you would find out that if you don't do the the, the hangout that we do, uh, you're really missing something out. It's it's a great show that's a lot of fun too. All that stuff. Also just wow, I like the show. I don't want to I I, I want to let them know that. Get over there and do that. You can also go over to ifanboy.threadless.com where you can find our our t-shirt store or uh, other knickknack things that you can have those designs put on. Uh, there are seven designs over there right now. Nothing that sense makes sense, nothing matters is 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 the clear winner by far. Yep. Uh, so support us through that if you if you need to have, if you want to have stuff. You can go to ifamily.com slash support if you don't want to deal with any of that, but you have some PayPal, you want to you want to do that as a thing to help support the show. And finally, ifamboy.com slash Amazon, you're going to find links to buy the books that we talk about on Booksplode and a general link to get yourself over to amazon.com uh, if you'd like to use that to help support the show. And of, of course, I obviously, like, we thank everyone who does that. I thank you specifically if you let me know you're doing that and, and you know, I'll wash your car, something like that. Whoa. That's, I'm, that's not true. But if I was in a position to wash your car or, like, you were washing it and you're like, hey, give me a hand here. And I'd be like, why would I help you? And you're like, I'm a patron. I'd be like, one second, let me have a bucket. I would – I could – I can make that promise. If they happen to I'm be in your town. I'm not going to fly town. out to wash your car. No. But if, but, you're, if they're you know, in your town washing their car. 
Or like, you know, if I run into you at the at the coin op car wash and you're like, I need a dollar, I'd be like, Oh, I got you here. Sure. Put that in the change machine. You know, like make sure you get through those cycles quick. All right. Should we do an email? Uh, quickly. So let's do Brad G from Exeter, California. I'm attending WonderCon for the first time this year. I'm interested in getting some autographs, in particular Tom King. I wanted to know if you had any advice for a first-time attendee. And we've got these questions before, but we haven't talked about this in a while. Con life. Josh, you haven't been to a con in a long time. I think 2014 would be the last time. So we're coming on five years. That Well, I, I've dropped off. I went to Boston Comic Con a couple times for a little while uh, and so, chatted with some friends. But we went to WonderCon specifically. Yep. Uh, together, that was the last time you went to a major show. Is that correct? Yep. 20, yeah, yeah, 2014, yeah. the three of us did that Darwin Cook panel. Yep. Okay. Wow, that was that was that long ago. Let's Five not years? talk about it. Wow. Okay. I got a thing in the Facebook memories today that said that I put up a picture of the last issue of um, Hellblazer, of Hellblazer 300. Mm-hmm. That was six years ago. Hmm. Crazy. Go Time ahead. is moving quickly. So, I I still go to um, San Diego for work, and I can say that. The con experience is not that different, so any advice we have will mostly be okay. Yeah, I feel like it it it, it reached its ebb. Well, it's just I mean the, the general going to a convention, the, yeah. the, the your feet, your your need to be hydrated, your your deodorant, all that stuff is the same. So the advice we give will necess- won't be out of completely out of out of whack. The way that the writers work for the big companies uh, is that they will have usually have schedules posted about when those guys are going to be up there. It goes pretty fast because a writer isn't doing a sketch for you or anything like that. But the bigger the names, like it can take longer. I mean, Scott Snyder had some damn lines, and I one of the things they've been doing is is they ticket the big ones now. Okay, so uh, and I I know that this I know the answer. To this is gonna like is Tom is Tom a big one now? Does he count for that? I I don't know. I assume so. I assume so. Too. I don't know if they're going to ticket at WonderCon. I know that. Comic Con, they definitely do ticketing things. Uh, I think I believe Tom was ticketed. I mean, he writes Batman, so I mean that's. And he's only going to be at the DC booth because I can't think of he's exclusive. I don't think he, he's not doing image books or anything like that. So that's going to be where you catch him. Yeah, so you want to go? You're going to want to go there and you want to check out the schedule, the signing schedule, find out if you need to get a ticket for big names like Tom or Scott Snyder or anyone like that. You're going to want to get there super early if, if there's no ticket situation. You know, it's not hard to – if you're looking for other people, he's interested in getting autographs in particular, Tom King, but other people, look in the book and see if they've got their own Artist Alley booth because that's where they'll be most of the time and that's where you can find them very easily. And you could buy a piece of merch from them. That's the best thing you can do in that instance, um, whether it's a print or a book or something like that. But also if you bring along their books with you, they're not going to balk at you for the most part. They'll, they'll sign those things without charging you anything, I think. That's at least how it used to work. WonderCon, I think I've only been to – no, that's not true. I've only been in. I've only been a couple of times to the new WonderCon in Anaheim, and all I know is every time I go, the parking is terrible. So that's always a concern, unlike other shows. But general con advice is very comfortable shoes. Styles goes out the window at Comic Con. You know, wear running shoes or gym shoes, something very padded. Add in a padded insert if you want. That helps. Yeah. A gel insert. <laughs> Bring water with you. I don't remember getting in and out of the show with food, but Bring water bottles. Bring a couple of snack bars, uh, protein yep. bars. Um, it, it's it's a it's a marathon. The con you want to mm-hmm. you, you want to get there early, but not overdo it early because it's a long yeah. it's a long. You're on your feet a long time. 
I mean, if like the thing that you're interested in is autographs, is you're going to be you know you're spending time waiting in lines. Yeah, that's uh, it's just that's kind of the deal. So maybe bring a book. I don't know, or buy some books there. It's probably a, sketch, a better get a, idea. Bring a sketchbook in case there's an artist you want. Yeah, uh, but like the one thing you can actually help yourself on is to make a plan, figure out what it is you want, and see if you can figure out where they're going to be. See, uh, I don't know when DC posts their signing schedules or anything like that, but being prepared, just like anything that gets that crazy, is gonna is gonna give you a big leg up uh, in terms of that. And then uh, you know. They're the guys are nice. They're they're cool. Tom's a really cool guy. Don't sneak up behind him. He's a trained CIA agent. There's some um, he can murder you. Sometimes the creators will post their schedule before the show to like their yes. social media. Just or just ask him on social media if he right. knows. And when I don't even know when, when WonderCon is. It's usually in April, isn't it? But it's it's you know be nice, be polite, don't be weird. <laughs> But also, don't worry about that too much. Don't think, oh, I gotta think of something cool to say. Everybody's no, no, no. not said just this. Be normal. You know, just be normal. Yourself, yes. And also, say what you want. get your business done, and then let them get on with what they're doing, or other get to other people. You don't want to be someone who is lingering around the table longer than they should be. Who, uh, uh, if you feel that you have any uh, illness about you whatsoever, yeah, or yeah. you're very, don't touch anyone that you don't need to. Or if you think, you know, like, ah, you know what, I might be coming down with a thing. They will be, they will thank you for that to the end of days. Yeah, one year, <laughs> one year I went and everybody was fist bumping because there was like, everyone was afraid of shaking hands, so. Yeah, that doesn't even work, though. That I got sick one year, I did that too. Be aware, I'll, maybe take some vitamin C. Be aware that yeah. con flu, con plague is the thing, is a real thing. Yeah. Yep. So, stay hydrated, comfortable shoes, be normal and nice and polite. and Have uh, fun. Have a good time and go. You know, if you if there's people you really really want, you're gonna to want to make sure, make a point to build your schedule around that because you don't know if you're gonna get the opportunity to, you know. Otherwise, you're not gonna run into random person in, in artist alley if they're like a big name, but you might want to make not sure anymore. you get to them at the booth uh, whenever they're doing their signing. You can write to us at contact at ifanboy.com uh, with questions like these. And, and other questions. There may be nothing like these. I don't know. It's, it's your call. It, it, we'll see what happens. What, what's coming up in terms of podcasts? So we did the Reign of the Superman special edition show. The next special edition show will be Captain Marvel, and that'll be sometime around the release date, probably around March 9th or so. That show will come out. And so then uh, that is March. And then I think in April, there's, it's like a, an apocalypse of special edition shows. There's like three movies coming out. So it's going to be a lot of special edition shows coming up in the next you know, six or eight weeks. Tuxplodes. Uh, last one that we did was Brian Edward Hill. You may remember that was a month late. Last week, this is why I don't tell you who's going to be on the show, we had some of those rock solid. Turns out not quite so rock solid. A little more jello-like. I'm sort of looking for a thing to do with that. I'm going to be, I'm going to go full disclosure on you in this one. I am going to be away for the end of February, so I need to try to get this done in the next week. I'm searching my Rolodex. I'm going through my contacts. I'm going to figure out what I can do. But my main goal, make sure that we have an interesting conversation with somebody who makes comics in there. And that one I'm going to promise you that I will deliver uh, as soon as I can. Uh, head over to ifanboy.com. You can find all those podcasts that we just talked about, including the, all the Pick of the Week shows and all of our old articles that we talked about earlier. I think somewhere deep in the, deep in the archives, there's what to do with Comic-Con articles. You can, you and we did a video show on it somewhere. Yeah, but who knows where that one is. That's true. So you can find those at uh, ifanboy.com. You can also find out what the Pick of the Week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy or following us on Twitter at ifanboy. And individually, Edward J. Flanagan and C.S. Kilpatrick. Josh is on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm on Instagram. But for how long will he be on Twitter? If you oh. like this show, I just, you know, you know. Like, it's, I, it's I a know. constant weighing of the benefits versus the... 
I know you know. I know. You made a you made a decision, but you also don't stay in your house by yourself all day all the time. If you like the show, write a review for it or leave a star rating on iTunes or do it for other shows that you like. I talk about shows uh, that I like, you know, on social media and I always try to make sure I leave a star rating at the very least or even a written rating if I can because I want people to be able to find that because I want those to be successful because I want them to stick around. That's what you can do. And I'm not even telling you to do it for my show. Do it for any shows that are important to you. That's really helpful. Tell people about it on social media or your friends about it in person if you still have those. Put it in your Tinder profile. I don't think that'll help. You probably want to leave that out. I don't know how Tinder works. Uh, <laughs> God, I hope not. No. So that's it. Uh, do do that thing. You know, love the shows you love and help support them and do that those things. And uh, that's got that's the end of a long show. It is. It is. That is the end. The end, my friend. Until next time, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Is this our last issue? I don't know. Okay. Hey, mama!